You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Podcast and Post Game Show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Activate your free Assembly Call membership today at assemblycall.com slash join. That's assemblycall.com slash join. That is how you're a champion. It really is. And now, get ready for another brand new edition of the Assembly Call. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers win 78-75 to over the Penn State Nittany Lions as James Blackman Jr. drains a three at the buzzer, seemingly grabbing victories from the jaws of defeat. Just an unbelievable shot from James Blackman Jr. in a game where Indiana led 67-53 in the second half and then proceeded to make everybody relive the awful nightmare and memory of 2014. But this time there was someone there to make a big shot, to make a big play, to give Indiana the victory at the end. My goodness, what a night, an incredible night of emotion up and down for Indiana fans. And we are going to break it all down for you on this episode of the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm your host, Jared Morris. I will be joined tonight by Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips as we try to make sense of a crazy night of basketball. And I mean, look, the banner moment tonight, it's obvious what the banner moment is. It's James Blackman Jr. taking the ball and making the big shot. And what's amazing about the shot is the possession earlier where Indiana's up by two and there's about 39 seconds left. And somehow they allow Thomas Bryant to get the ball by himself on the the right wing with really nothing to do as the shot clock winds down and he ends up getting stripped. That entire possession, I was saying out loud, James, go get it. James, go get it. James, don't give it up. James, don't give it up. It had to be James or Robert in that situation. It wasn't Indiana gets stripped. Penn State goes down and scores two. So there's four seconds left and there's only one play at that point. You give it to James and you see what happens. And if he misses, you go to overtime and James takes it and makes it. There are few shot makers in the history of Indiana basketball as skilled as James Blackman Jr., and he put that on display on that shot. It wasn't a particularly great night for James on the defensive end. Uh, It was an inconsistent night for him offensively, but he finishes with 17 points. He was 5'11 from downtown, and that big one. For Indiana to win that game, really for Indiana to avoid losing that game and falling to two and four and what would have been such a crushing loss given the fact that they had been ahead, I don't think we can really express how big a shot and how big a win this is for Indiana. Just a huge season-saving shot for James Blackman Jr., a guy who hit big shots against Kansas, big shots against North Carolina, hit another big one tonight in a huge win for Indiana. Way to go, James Blackman Jr., our Hoosier proud banner moment no question about it tonight's banner moment of course brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Proud an Indiana-based brand by Hoosiers for Hoosiers Connor and the team at Hoosier Proud offer a line of t-shirts and accessories that are unmatched for anyone who wants a unique stylish way to display their own pride in being a Hoosier check them out at HoosierProud.com and use the promo code assembly to receive a 15% discount on your entire order that's promo code assembly to receive 15% off at HoosierProud.com 
All righty, let's make the extra pass, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. Andy, we go to you for our bottoms line brought to us by Bracketology.fm. Well, I mean, to your point, we don't know what would have happened with the rest of the season had IU lost this game. We don't know the status of OG Ananobi's knee injury. Um, But I do know that we should all be pretty proud that this team found a way to win this game. It was horribly ugly. It brought up all the terrible memories that you mentioned, but... Uh, I give those guys a lot of credit for playing significantly more minutes in some cases than they anticipated playing um, and really giving it their all out there. And sometimes that was ugly at the end and and it certainly should never have gotten to the point that it did. Um, but they never quit. They never let up. And I think who knows where the season goes from here, but if it goes anywhere good, uh, we'll look back on this game and, and use it as a springboard when they really banded together. Uh, it was them against... Um, the four people sitting behind the announce table screaming the entire freaking game um, and uh, and the crowd that was so raucous that you couldn't hear whistles, apparently, according to the announcer. But they, they found a way to do it together. And for a team that we kind of hadn't seen that, we hadn't, hadn't seen some of the leadership things. We wanted more out of, you know, James and Robert and, and as the junior guards and the leaders. Um, we didn't see it all the time tonight, but we saw it a lot more often than we didn't. And, uh, you know, really proud of how they... Uh, they all, as a team, found a way to uh, pick each other up when it was when it was rough. And I thought the turning point was really coming out and playing so well at the beginning of the second half. It was like that's when the air could have really been out of the balloon. Uh, and while they didn't play great, they kind of held their ground for a little while before they eventually went on a run. But I, you know, um, th- this season may not end up going anywhere. But this was certainly a memorable win, and and I give these guys a lot of credit for fighting through what they did tonight um, and and getting a road win that uh, has been elusive for plenty of other teams in the conference. No question about it. That was ugly, but I'm so damn proud of these guys for finding a way to win. All right, Ryan, over to your rant brought to us by TheBigLead.com. Yeah, uh, I I just think that we got to recognize that nothing was going Indiana's way uh, tonight as far as the ancillary things. I mean, whether or not they made shots and things like that, they, they did some of that. They were shooting pretty well from the field, but, you know, the foul disparity was pretty significant. You had the guys going down with injuries. You had you had. Uh, Juwan Morgan didn't even play. Then OG Ananobi, uh, what Don Fisher reports is a knee injury, uh, which is not good news. If it had been an ankle, I think we could have felt pretty good, up, pretty decent about it. That it's something he could he could come back from. But that that did not look good, and I'm sure we'll get into that. Uh, then Deron Davis gets rolled up on, even though he came back in the game. I mean, you get rolled up on like that as soon as it starts swelling up, you're done. Uh, so I'm sure he played for a few minutes. He fouled out, but I, I, I doubt he was going to be able to be very effective for much longer. And then you've got two freshmen in uh, Devontae Green and and Curtis Jones playing really extended minutes. Thomas Bryant looked absolutely gassed. And and I while he didn't play great at the end, I thought for long stretches there, he finally looked like the old Thomas Bryant stepping up when his team needed him. And then, you know, late, you've got your senior, you're not seniors, but your, you know, older players not making good decisions with the basketball with Robert Johnson and James Blackman Jr. Uh, everything was going wrong for Indiana. This looked destined to be one of those things where we said, all right, season's over. I mean, this is, you know, it's about building for next year. And James Blackman Jr. races down the right side and buries a three. Uh, You know, that was a shot that this team needed. That was an outcome that this team needed. And I'll say it again. I mean, while his leadership style may not be similar to what we've seen, uh, James Blackman Jr. is trying to become a leader for this team. He's putting the, the the team on his shoulders, and he's and he's doing things that other guys aren't doing. And and I will say that that shot is enormous. And if this season turns around, that is the moment where this season turned around. 
because, I mean, it, who knows? They may come out and get waxed by Michigan State on Saturday, but for right now, this looks like a team that finally, finally showed some fight and heart and fought through just all the bad circumstances that were going on with this game, all the bad juju of playing at Penn State and, you know, playing a team that, while not, you know, regarded very highly, plays very tough defense, does not quit, and plays for 40 minutes. And that almost smacked Indiana in the face. These guys battled through as hard as they could and and came out with a victory. So, look, if you're looking for a game that could turn this season around and, and could build, you can build momentum off of, this is it because this looked bad. And then all of a sudden, in the snap of a finger, one upperclassmen stepping up and making a shot uh, uh, send you send you home with a win. Uh, I bet that plane ride is going to be pretty fun with those guys tonight. Man, I, I bet it is. I mean, that that shot, I think the best word to describe that shot was cathartic. That was a cathartic sh- shot, and you saw it on the faces of the Indiana players. They needed a win like this in the worst way. And I think given you know that OG had been hurt earlier in the game, we will talk about that, that Juwan didn't even play and just where their psyches were at as that ball is floating through the air, giving up that lead, you know, playing so poorly for the last few minutes, looking out of sorts and just knowing where the season is. And for that shot to go in and give this team and this program an injection of positivity. Look, there are warts about this game. We'll break them down as we go. But if you can't enjoy that moment and be excited for right now for, you know, for for a moment like that. I mean, this is why we watch the games. This is why we're fans is for moments like this. James Blackman Jr. I mean, hats off to you. That was just a huge play. Now, there is another huge play from late in the game. Not a lot went right late in the game. Okay, we know that. But there was another huge play from another junior guard that we need to talk about because it was going to be the banner moment before James Blackman Jr.'s uh, shot, which obviously took over. And so we'll get to that as well as break down the night for Thomas Bryant uh, here in just a minute. But first, I do want to take a quick minute and tell you about our other sponsor, SeatGeek. Buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been a confusing process for a long time. It's always been hard to find the best deal for that game or show you want to go to, and none of those older ticket sites seem to want to change that. But SeatGeek is different. They've come along and they've created an amazing app and website that really does make it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. That's why it's the first place I go to look for tickets to any game or concert that I want to go to because everything about SeatGeek is designed to make life easier for sports and music fans. They do the price comparison for you by searching multiple ticket sites and ensuring that you get the best possible deal. So they do the work. You save time and money. Best of all, our listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate, do this. Download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab and click add a promo code and enter the promo code assembly and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Again, download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code assembly today. All right, while you are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show, or perhaps you're watching live at Yogi's. Hey there to everybody who's watching us at Yogi's. Very excited to be broadcast live at Yogi's. Uh, I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, Ryan Phillips, breaking down Indiana's thrilling 78-75 to victory over Penn State tonight. And so I said that there was a play that was going to be the banner moment. And look, I thought for a lot of tonight, Robert Johnson's decision-making was questionable, but I thought late in the game, he made some big plays and made some big shots to kind of keep Indiana afloat, especially as Penn State started to come back. And there was one sequence in particular. It was 71-65, Indiana's reeling. Penn State has scored, you know, like seven points in a row or something like that. Thomas Bryant ends up shooting a three, bricking it. 
And Robert came out of nowhere to get a rebound. It was huge. Reset the shot clock. Indiana was able to take 30 more seconds off. And then with that new possession, Robert drove, scored, and put Indiana up eight. And obviously, in hindsight, that possession was even bigger with Indiana being tied there with four seconds to go. If he doesn't get that rebound, and if he doesn't score that bucket and allow Indiana to save those 30 seconds, who knows what happens? Because with 30 more seconds, with the momentum the way that it was, it certainly looked like Penn State would have taken control. But I thought, look, it was an uneven second half for Indiana's junior guards, no question about it, but Indiana is going to win and lose on the road with its junior guards. And I thought those two guys were able to step up and make enough plays late to drag Indiana over the finish line. And we said that on the halftime report for those of you who watched. I thought the freshmen settled Indiana down in the first half. I thought the freshmen settled Indiana down a little bit at the start of the second half. But it was always going to be Robert and James that brought this team across the finish line if Indiana was going to win, and they did it. James with his huge three, Robert with his huge possession there with just a few minutes left. So kudos to those guys. That's what your leaders have to do to get you wins on the road. Andy, obviously, you're the president of the Robert Johnson Fan Club, so we'll give you the floor to comment on that play. Yeah, it was, uh, it, it was pretty fantastic. He, he definitely... Uh, had some decision-making uh, issues, if you will. But I, I thought overall, those guys really, I mean, hit some big threes in the second half. The two of them had 18 of the 34 uh, that the team had in the second half. And I think that's the kind of thing that you look for. And and short of the play where everybody's screaming for one of them to go get the ball from Thomas Bryant, as as was I, um, I thought they did a pretty good job of, of really taking control. Because there were a lot of guys out there for... Uh, as it got late that we're not in any way expecting to be in that situation with the freshman on the court with um, McRoberts playing big minutes. McSwain had some good minutes, but I thought they really did a good job. Like those two guys were the glue that held it all together. Uh, and that's exactly what you'd expect from from the two of them, given their experience, given their ability to score. And uh, I, I thought a good performance from them. I, you know, I, I tweeted something at halftime around, you know, been looking for leadership. This is when we're going to figure out if it can really emerge in this situation where you're down uh, two of your better players and and trying to find a way. And I thought those guys, as you said, really helped carry uh, and drag in, in, as you said, uh, IU across the finish line. Hey, by the way, while we're talking about the junior guards, Josh Newkirk also had that layup that kind of rolled around the rim and went in. And then Penn State goes down on the other end. I think it was Garner had the layup that rolled around out. And given some of the bad luck Indiana has had, it was nice to get a couple of bounces like that. I think the guys deserved it. Um, let's talk about Thomas Bryant, Ryan. You know, you mentioned him in the opening, uh, kind of a rough start for Thomas. He's been struggling, but he finishes with 17 points and nine rebounds Four of those rebounds were offensive. And that was after not having a rebound for a good part of the time that he played in the first half, seven of 10 from the field. He did have the five turnovers, but like you said, this felt much more like the Thomas Bryant we were expecting this season. Yeah, a lot of those turnovers came also from entry passes that were a little late. Uh, a few of at least at least two of them, maybe three came when he had position and guys threw it in late, giving the defender time to recover. So, uh, you know, <clears throat> turnovers are a team thing. I think, <clears throat> excuse me, unless you're throwing it directly out of bounds, uh, you know, a lot of times turnovers are two player issues uh, for Thomas. What I saw from him was I saw him fighting. I saw him battling and I haven't seen that in a while. Um, that, that play at the end where he drove in and, and I thought he got obviously fouled, but no call, uh, you know, not, not unexpected for, for the night uh, given 
you know, some of the other things that were going on on the floor. But I'm surprised I, they called fouls when Penn State was trying to foul, like obviously uh, yeah, trying. I mean, that, that was made no. Yeah, I mean, what was called and what wasn't was just. I mean, well, welcome to the Big Ten. It was, you know, that's just we're used to it by now. Uh, what I will say is that on that play, Robert Johnson and James Blackman should have gone and gotten the ball from Thomas. Thomas sees it with the clock running down. He's going to go because you can't take the time to give it up to somebody else. But those two guys should have gone and gotten the ball from him and made something happen. I don't blame Thomas for that at all. He had to do something at that point. Um, what I will say about him, though, is, again, he battled. He fought. He was in there. He wasn't posting up and going over his shoulder. He was fighting for rebounds. He was fighting for loose balls. He was accepting passes inside, following things up, and he was running the floor. And you know what? That was an engaged Thomas Bryant that we've been looking for all year. And maybe it took, hey, my running buddy on the inside is down. I've got to step up. Maybe it took, you know, that dunk in the first half uh, that fall, the, 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 the pass from Devontae Green where he finished going full court, running the floor. Maybe that woke him up a bit. I don't know. But it just seemed like there was a whole lot less thinking going on and a lot more playing. And, and it looked like Thomas was just going after it, trying to make something happen and, and just working. I mean, that is simply working and outworking the guys uh, on the other team. And and that's what I thought led to that. I don't think there was anything fancy going on. I don't think it was anything crazy. I just think that he was working harder than the other team. Yeah, I thought early in the game, he, he really was, it, it almost seemed visible that he was in his own head, you know, passed up what, what looked like a dunk to kick it out to an open Blackman three, which obviously is not a terrible shot, but... You know, he had a shot right at the lane. There was the another pass coming down the lane where somebody gave him a good feed, and he, you know, fumbled it out of bounds, and um, just seemed to really be overthinking things. I, I, yeah, and I kind of like you, Ryan. I don't know if it was that uh, that big and one that that he got that was the turning point for him, but it seemed like shortly after that he really kind of let go of all that and and wound up playing really well. Uh, you know, ended up seven of nine on twos, so that seems a little bit more in the. Uh, 70% range that we that we became accustomed to last year but I thought he played well I thought there was that uh another sequence where uh McSwain had the put back basket uh, on a Bryant miss and then Bryant the very next play you know kind of followed up it was a replay I think it was a Robert Johnson miss you know just making those kinds of hustle plays at that point really allowed IU to extend the lead and um they ended up needing every bit of it obviously but I, I thought he was uh he was just a lot more active and, and maybe you're right that it was hey I know I'm gonna have to play I'm not looking over my shoulder there's um you know, I'm just going to play because I have to. And and even when he asked to come out and ended up needing to come almost right back in, just kind of gutted it out uh, there for a little bit because he was uh, he was totally gassed when he went out of the game at that point. But uh, yeah, kudos to him. And, and hopefully this gets him going. I feel like we've said that a few times this year, but this is a game where he uh, should deservedly have have a lot of confidence in, in what he's able to do. Yeah, one thing I, I want to say about it, too, is that he came out at one point and then came back in and immediately caught the ball in the post and just turned around and had a jump hook that he made, you know, right off the without thinking about it, just caught it, turned around, had the jump hook, made it and drive back on defense. And I feel like lately we've seen a lot from him where he'll catch it and kind of pause and examine his options instead of just, hey, dude, go just turn around and go and, and put it up and get it over before the def defender has a chance to react before they have a chance to double. He was open. He turned, he shot it and he made the shot. And uh, yeah, I thought that was just an example of how he wasn't thinking he was just playing basketball and not worrying so much about everything else going on. 
So, I mean, look, it's a euphoric victory for Indiana anytime that you win in the last second like that. And obviously, in the excitement, and we're all very excited about it, it can overshadow some of the warts from a game like this. And, and, and we want to give a full accounting of what happened here. Indiana turned the ball over way too much in the second half. The Hoosiers, one of the reasons why the offense was so efficient in the first half is Indiana only turned the ball over 15% of the time. And that right there was pretty much the difference in Indiana leading by seven. Because normally they would have turned it over two or three more times. Well, when your offense is humming at about 1.3 points possession, when you don't turn it over, you're going to look, look a lot better when you minimize the turnovers. Indiana did not do that in the second half. It's a big reason why Penn State came back. And in fairness, Penn State had four or five just awful unforced turnovers, basically just throwing the ball out of bounds. That certainly helped Indiana. Um, but, you know, Indiana was able to compensate for that by, as you know, they have done a lot this year, battling on the offensive glass where the Hoosiers, you know, got 41.9% of their offensive rebounds. They were able to make nine threes. So they took 25 of them, shot 36%, which is just okay for this team, but made nine, which is obviously big. But guys, you know, I do want to talk about these late game struggles because, look, obviously we've seen almost this exact same thing against the same team, just a different arena back in 2014. But, you know, we've seen this some against Tom Crean teams. And obviously you didn't see it much last year because, you know, Yogi was so quick he could always get open and he was your ultimate press breaker. But, you know, what, what does Indiana need to do differently in this situation next time, Ryan? Because this looked like a team that on a lot of those out-of-bounds plays didn't really have a plan, didn't look very comfortable. And I think we've pinpointed that Robert Johnson and James Blackman Jr. have to take a little bit more control. But what else can Indiana do in these situations so that they don't seem so clueless trying to protect these leads late? Jeez, I don't know. It's, it seems like every time we play Penn State, they're really good at defending the inbounds. I don't know what it is that Pat Chambers does, but it, it, Indiana will occasionally have that problem against the team. But against Penn State, for some reason, it's always that way. I don't know what it is. I legitimately don't know if it's just the approach or or what they're doing with their coverages or whatever. But Indiana always has problems against Penn State inbounding the ball in the backcourt. In the front court, it's fine. And on the side out of bounds, it's fine. I don't know. I don't get why it's so difficult in the backcourt. Um, what they need to do is have more options for the passer, quite frankly. And and quite often what you're seeing from Indiana is one guy screens for one receiver and then they both open up to the ball and nobody comes back as a third option, which usually that's number one. What you do is you have two guys at half court, two guys setting screens in the, uh, you know, it, it, uh, near the basket. They They set the screen and then one of the two guys if those two options aren't open, somebody will run back right down the middle, uh, you know, and and have themselves be open. You also need somebody who's got confidence in bounding the ball. And quite frankly, late in games, we've seen Juwan Morgan being that guy. He did not play today, and so I think that really hurt as well. There was kind of a it was kind of a carousel of who was going to inbound the ball. They tried Zach McRoberts at one point. He threw in a horrible pass when he should have just called timeout. If you don't have anything there, you got three timeouts or two timeouts left. Call timeout. Go discuss it. Then it was Robert Johnson floating, you know, passes over people. I mean, we even saw Max Bielfeldt do that last year. I mean, guys just need to not lose their heads. But I think the momentum of the game, plus Penn State's defense, plus not having the guys you usually have in those spots, really contributed to not having, you know, a, a plan when you're trying to aim on the ball. That's a problem, and that's a problem that the coaches need to address. They need to make sure everybody can do that, can inbound that ball late. Everybody has confidence that they can do it because if you, again, it shows you lose a guy like Morgan who's your inbounder late, what do you got? You, you got to have somebody else who can do it. You got to have two or three guys who can do it uh, and make smart decisions with the basketball, and that was clearly not going on tonight. Um, 
and yeah, I would just say that that you know they fought through it, but at the same time, yeah, that has to get better. There's no there's no excuse for that. Those those are set plays that should be done, and there should be you know you should have probably about five options with them, and you should be able to run them all to the point where you get the ball in. Yeah, the the one that uh, involved lobbing the ball toward the sideline and having a guy on a dead sprint running toward the sideline have to catch it and stop before he goes out of bounds. That that one can be thrown away. Yeah, where's um, Jared Cook when you need him? <clears throat> yeah, that well, was. Yeah, what, that was what, that was the that, that was. I think it was Newkirk who inbound that. I'm not sure uh, to Rojo. And one thing about that was Rojo broke off his cut and ran directly to the sideline. And it's like, what are you doing? Don't trap yourself, you know. And and so it was just guys losing their head. And and I get it. Sometimes the momentum of the game and this game, as we said before, everything was going against Indiana. They were running around like chickens with their heads cut off. They were making really dumb decisions. And that was one of them. You don't run directly towards the sideline when the ball's coming to you. You know, you find as much open floor as possible, get the ball in bounds, let them foul you. You know, that that was just a terrible decision. A to throw it and B to run in that direction and have a guy leading you towards the out of bounds line. So again, it's it's guys getting caught up in the moment, nobody taking a breath and having a clear head. Let's remember. This game doesn't come down to the wire if Curtis Jones, the freshman, takes some deep breaths and shoots his free throws and makes them. This game's not even there's not even a question. This is still this ends up being about a seven point game. You miss the front end of a one and one twice. Uh, Penn State comes down, makes some shots, gets more confidence. You get jittery, miss another one. Get you know I mean so it's it, it's it's a lot of stuff and it's guys just needing to relax and this is why playing on the road is hard, uh you know even your juniors are are out there making making stupid mistakes so everybody just needs to calm down and have confidence in themselves that they can perform uh you know and and make things happen so which sometimes is easier yeah. said than done because you can Much say easier. have confidence but sometimes you need a big shot to go through and give you a win totally. like this and maybe that helps indiana relax because this did seem like a team that at times was playing with the weight of the world on their shoulders and then you saw that release afterwards and hopefully that can help them play you know again it's a fine line with this team you can't play too loose because then the turnovers just start going out left and right so you gotta you know play play loose but play smart and and hopefully indiana can get a little bit better with that balance yeah and and you mentioned this jared that celebration at the end i mean you could just tell there was so much in that you know there were there were three pent-up weeks in that celebration uh you know the celebration after destroying illinois was muted the celebration after rutgers was muted you know it was just kind of like okay that's what we were supposed to do well, and i hope iu fans did that too and instead of I just agree. sitting there holding their heads oh man we almost lost this one get excited you know, I almost woke my baby up. I'm actually going to pat myself on the back. I, I was able to cheer and pump my fists without saying too much, Fa too loud. Father of the year for not waking <laughs> right. a sleeping baby right, That's right. there, folks. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, well, I mean, yeah, go I think, on, Andy. What, I think what you guys are saying, I mean, I, the other thing at the end of games like that, I mean, just I think the, the mental and emotional fatigue had really set in. I mean, certainly physically you had guys that looked really gassed, but I think – you see some of those mental errors in a game like this where you saw a teammate go down um, and and the extent of that, you know, they may not know or they, they may have some idea of at this point. But I think it was, uh, you know, going through all that, I, I can only imagine was just trying to and even the last few minutes preceding that that sequence was really just trying to how do we get the hell out of here with this win and, and really started holding the ball a little bit more. Uh, and I think rightfully so. I don't think they could play exactly how they had been the rest of the game and still have enough energy left to, to go. But I think that was just, you know, that was all just telling. It was just a, a survival mode for everybody at that point. And, and I think you probably can't understate the, you know, mental fatigue they were feeling at that point, which doesn't excuse some of the mistakes, but uh, 
it, it had to be tough for for those guys to try to fight through what they what they did tonight playing in combinations they probably weren't used to and uh, a lot more minutes than they were used to as well. Wow, it's I, I'm going to sit here and agree with everything Andy just said. That's a wow. We really we really are basking in the glow of a win, aren't <laughs> plus, we? What's plus, I, choking him. plus I didn't like skew super negative, and I you know tried to really find the positive out of like what made me want to throw really things at TV earlier. Yeah, this is yeah uh, this is no. Weird. One thing you have to realize, though, also is that, you know, the freshmen, the two freshman guards played a combined, I believe it was 28 minutes. I don't know the official stats yet, but, you know, they're both on the floor way more than they should be. You know, all these other guys had to step up. McRoberts was on the floor for 15 minutes. I mean, all these other guys had to step up. That brings the team a lot closer together because they were all fighting for this and they're all battling through and they were all making mistakes and they were all, you know, having to rise above it. And then that shot, it just it. You know, with all the bad that it built up in that game, missing key players, needing guys to step up, you know, relying on people you're not worse to rely. I mean, Freddie McSwain looked great for seven minutes tonight. I mean, you know, it's who who saw that coming? And and you know, he's looked good like lately, but no, he looked like a guy who can really mix it up. And the only reason he's in the game is because OG and Obi goes down. I mean, he might have got Juwan's down and Juwan's <laughs> out. I mean, without those guys on the road, you probably don't even see McSwain. So all these guys contributing that makes that that's what builds a team and that's what builds an identity is the fact that these guys i i you know it it the last 2 minutes of that game was a disaster but it's all erased in their minds i'm not talking we can analyze it all the heck and i'm sure we will but in their minds that all that badness gets erased because blackman hit that shot they go home with a win. Their goal coming into the night was to go in and get a win. They didn't care how they did it. If it was a close game back and forth the entire time and Blackman nails that three at the end, it's a completely different show because, hey, you know what? It was a tough game they fought. But for so for them, they accomplished their goal. It took a really awful route to get there, but it happened. And, and so you get that through all those little things that happen during the game, you build a team and you build an identity. Now how they come out against Michigan state. I have no idea, but I think that it's just huge for this team to overcome the physical and emotional toll of a game like that and come out with a win and and be, you know, bonded together through that, especially with what's happened. And and with the fact that you don't know if OG and Obi's coming back. Yeah, well, and now when you win that game, all of those mistakes at the end become useful teaching moments that can add some humility to the enthusiasm as opposed to just abject misery having to relive them for coach Absolutely. and team. It's, and a teaching, it's, is a, it, it's a teaching point now as opposed to this is why we lost. You yeah, know, and, and exactly. it changes the tenor of it. Exactly. All right, well... You know, look, as enthusiastic as we are, as we were at the end of the game, that is pretty much how dejected we all were at the end of the first half. And so we have to talk about that. Um, and I have a, a strong uh, suggestion for the Big Ten Network for the next time someone gets injured. Uh, and so we're going to get to all of that here in just a moment. First, I do want to take a quick minute and tell you why you should activate your free assembly call membership. Three quick reasons. Number one, it's quick and easy. Go to assemblycall.com slash join. It'll take you 15 seconds. If you're sitting at the bar at Yogi's right now, you can do it on your phone. Uh, it's how you get our best content because by joining, you'll receive our weekly six-banner Saturday IU Hoops news roundups as well as our detailed post-game analysis emails. This is going to be a fun one to write. Uh, it's also how you connect with us in the Assembly Call community because only members can access our moderated post-game live chat and discussion forum. So for those reasons and more, if you like what you hear on the assembly call, becoming a member is the logical next step. Join us for free at assemblycall.com slash join. 
You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips breaking down Indiana's thrilling 78 to 75 victory over the Penn State Nittany Lions. Uh, but now this is where the show takes a more somber and melancholy turn because we have to talk about OG Ananobi. Uh, and OG, I thought, was having a pretty good first half. Uh, you know, he had six points. He had a couple of boards, wasn't finishing great at the rim, you know, but did have a couple nice finishes there late in the half. Uh, but then on that play at the end of the half goes down, you can hear him scream uh, and it obviously it didn't look good. And I know just, you know, we don't have an official report yet, um, but, you know, I know, Andy, you mentioned this, that uh, there's some reports on Twitter that Crean told Fish that there were a lot of tears at halftime. Um, it didn't look good. I mean, look, we'll obviously wait to pass a final judgment and I'm sure we'll probably have something by the time we record our radio show for Friday. Um, but it doesn't look good. I think it's probably wise to expect that Indiana is going to be without OG for a while. And it's just a damn shame for a guy who was really starting to come into his own, obviously has such a bright future ahead of him. And anytime, you know, we've heard a lot of these discussions now as Thomas and OG have struggled and Blackman, you know, oh, well, you're going to see these guys back in school now. You know, well, this is why when you're going to be a first round pick, you go pro because these types of injuries can happen at any time. And they're always awful and they're always depressing. Um, so, look, hopefully it's not as bad as it looked. Um, and I want to get your guys thoughts on what how Indiana can prepare for life without OG. Uh, but to the Big Ten Network, the next time someone gets hurt, and they fall down to the ground in agony, screaming, and you decide that you want to play the replay 75 times because I guess you like injury porn, turn off the audio. We don't need to keep hearing him scream every time he goes down, all right? It's not adding anything to your broadcast. It's just a bad look. Stop, all right? I think I speak for all of us when I say that. So there's my public service announcement to the Big Ten Network. Um, Andy, let me get your thoughts first on OG both how this affects the team. And if you look big picture from an NCAA tournament perspective, you know, if he's out for a while, how does something like this affect Indiana? Is that something where they give you like extra credit because maybe you win some games without him? Or is it that, well, you're without one of your best players, so you're now less likely to be a good tournament team? Yeah, I mean, on the on the first question you asked, I thought he was playing well. He, he really seemed to be... Uh, in tune with things defensively again as he was against Rutgers and I think you know again starting to see you know more consistency in some of the things that we saw him um, do really well last year and I thought while well, he had a couple shots at the rim where it was like yeah, go up stronger but he you know you know kind of re-ran the Maryland play and 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 all that and and showed some of the reasons that he you know can be so explosive and I think was you know easy to say now seemed to be starting to kind of put put it together a bit more consistently and um, in terms of what that does for the committee i mean they will you know certainly once they understand get a better understanding of of what his overall status is um they kind of assess you at what you are w without him at that point with if the assumption is he's not going to be back um and again we don't know that yet uh, for certain by any means but um if if that becomes the news that he's not going to be back then you kind of get assessed as here's what you are without him. Now, obviously you can't take away the wins ahead earlier in the season, but I think if it comes down to a more, um, if they, if they're truly on the bubble in that case, I think it could hurt a little bit more versus if they find a way to, you know, string together some wins and still play. All right. Um, it wouldn't necessarily be a case where everything they've done with him goes away. Um, but there's definitely a component of, you know, if they go and, and don't play well from here on out, 
um, those Kansas and Carolina wins certainly mean less in that respect because he was he was around for those. So um, they definitely take it into account, but not necessarily in a not necessarily in a good way, uh, as, as you would probably suspect, because they're really trying to assess if I put you in the tournament, what are you going to be in the tournament? Yeah, Ryan. You know what is if, if OG is out for an extended period of time, where does Indiana go from here? Obviously, the status of Juwan Morgan is going to have a lot to do with that. But what does Indiana do? Well, I think Morgan's going to have his role just increase exponentially. Um, I, I think that you're going to have to see Zach McRoberts a little more. You're going to see a lot more Deron Davis with different lineups that he's not currently in, which we actually saw some of tonight with he and Bryant playing together. The problem was is that if you put those two on the floor, you've got to go zone almost certainly because nobody else is going to run two big post players out there. So defensively, it does hurt you uh, trying to trying to match up with that, which is, I think, one of the reasons that we haven't seen so much of that this year is because it forces Indiana defensively to play zone because neither one of those guys is going to be able to guard on the perimeter. I mean, for any long stretch of time, they could do it for a few possessions, but you're not going to see it for long stretches of time. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a huge blow athletically. Uh, but you know what? Last year when Indiana lost James Blackman Jr., we thought, oh, no, you know, that's the season. And Indiana found a way and guys step up. And, and yeah, it's not the same thing because Ananobi's such a good defender. He's such a glue guy and he's such a can do so many different things for you. Um, but you know, good teams find a way. Good teams find guys to step up in key positions. Um, you know, last year, Colin Hartman played a lot better. Uh, Hartman and, or I mean, uh, Morgan and, and Ananobi found a spot. Maybe you go with more four guard, one post player sets uh, with, with some of the youngsters in there. Uh, you saw Curtis Jones and Devontae Green play a lot more minutes tonight. Freddie McSwain stepped up into a role that I, you know, maybe didn't really have a lot of confidence in him filling and, and playing very well. So, I mean, whoever, whoever, has the chance, has to look at it as a huge opportunity. Those guys who are not getting minutes have to look at it, not getting as many minutes, have to look at it as a huge opportunity to do something and and put their stamp on this club and embrace it. I mean, you know, it, it's a next man up thing. This is why you recruit. You recruit to have depth. Uh, you know, people think you recruit to have those five stars at the top and 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 you lose perspective on the other guys and and this is why you recruit you recruit to have depth if you lose somebody uh whether it's the nba whether it's to you know an injury whether it's a suspension whatever you recruit to have depth and and so uh there are guys on this team who are heralded recruits who were you know had expectations coming in who now have a chance to step up and do something and and take that role uh you know it won't be the exact role because there are very few people who can do exactly what ogn and obi can do but uh somebody's gonna have to step up and and you know there's certainly talent there that's not going to be a problem the problem is just going to be finding somebody who wants to own that spot yeah it'll be it'll now it'll be a depth problem you know especially if juan's out you know you're going to be less able to deal with foul trouble and and, and look let's not forget you know deron davis went down and that one looked pretty bad when he went down now he did ryan as you mentioned he came back in the game and he looked to be moving okay you know juan morgan came in the game against Rutgers after he got hurt too and then ended up being out so we'll have to see how that injury I, responds to you know to kind of you know once he comes down from the adrenaline but hopefully he's okay too because for i mean for a few minutes there i mean it looked like indiana's without og indiana's without duran i mean you know you got thomas bryant and what else do you have inside you know so hopefully indiana avoided that worst case scenario yeah, I would think that uh, it just based on seeing the injury and and seeing the injury to to Morgan as well and and the reaction and everything uh, and and Morgan, you know, didn't play tonight. Obviously, uh, didn't even suit up. 
I I would be surprised if both were out for Michigan State. I think they could both be back for Michigan State with the way they give treatment on the, that kind of injury nowadays. As long as nothing's broken, I, I have a feeling they'll both be back. But that's that's a guess. Um, but I just I have a feeling they'll both be back. OG, I, I don't think we're going to see him anytime soon. I mean, we can't speculate, but I you know. That's a I, guess. It's not your it's official diagnosis after, no, after I, investigating well, the injuries. I mean, look, we, I mean, I just, I know basketball injuries and I have had a lot of basketball injuries. And I just think that with, with Morgan and, and Davis, it looked like they rolled their, they had their ankles rolled and, and, you know, from a trip, uh, Morgan's was clearly, he was tripped by the official, which don't, don't even get me started on. And then, and then Davis was rolled up on. So I, those things usually aren't super serious and you can usually play through the pain, at least for stretches. Uh, the key is how comfortable they are on them. Um, I think both will be available if they're needed to go against, against Michigan state. Yeah. Well, you know, and you talk about the opportunity for guys to step up. So let's go back to the first half and talk about the importance of the bench uh, because Duran, Curtis Jones, Devonte green did most of their work in the first half. There was a stretch for Curtis Jones. Uh, he had that play where he took it from the top of the key. Duran Davis is setting a screen for him and he just totally just blows by his man. Doesn't even use the screen for a layup. Uh, I think it was the next possession or, or a possession later in a half where Indiana really wasn't getting to loose balls. There was kind of a steal out there for the taking. And Curtis Jones accelerated about as fast as I've ever seen a Hoosier accelerate to split two Penn State guys, get the steal and go all the way down for the bucket. So some nice minutes there. We saw Devontae Green hit a nice shot, drop a beautiful dime to Thomas Bryant uh, for a dunk. And of course, you know, Deron Davis got in there and really did some nice work. So those guys really stepped up. And I thought, you know, we've mentioned him. Zach McRoberts was just flying all over the place. Didn't score, but he had two assists, two boards, one of them offensive, two steals, two blocks. And, you know, played 15 minutes and just made some good things happen. And, of course, the dunk by McSwain. So Indiana doesn't win this game without the freshman really stepping up in the first half. And then McRoberts and McSwain giving Indiana some good minutes there in the second half. McRoberts, in fact, started uh, for OG there in the second half. Tom Crean, obviously, very happy with what he was providing. So, you know, Andy, it'll be interesting, you know, when you take OG out, you know, based on some of the lineup analysis that you've done, I'll be kind of interested to know, are there any kind of hidden lineups that maybe we haven't been talking about that have played really well as five-man units, you know, that maybe we'll see more of now that it'll be nice to get some more exposure to because they've played well together? Yeah, I think a lot of that will be predicated on, you know, Morgan being back because I think he's going to need to be part of that. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I thought McRoberts was fantastic. Just really hustled and, uh, you know, while we typically advocate for him to to be in a lineup with four other guys who can really, you know, provide a threat offensively. That couldn't always be the case with OG not in there, but I thought he uh, you know, played really well, wasn't completely afraid to to step up and try to take shots. Wish he had made one of the ones that he took, but he at least stepped into it confidently and um I think that was you know, an important step for him for a guy who's going to uh, you know, going to get some more playing time as we go through here and I think in certain spots can continue to be really effective, but just you know, hustle plays, being able to run things down from behind. He had that one tip out, which, which Robert Johnson eventually turned right back over. But, um, you know, just I, I thought I thought really played and gave them a little bit of a spark just from an energy standpoint when it would have been easy for everybody to kind of get down. And uh, I thought McSwain had some good minutes as well. Obviously, the dunk was the 
Um, the highlight, him trying to take somebody off the dribble from outside the three-point line was the low light. And uh, in between those two things, I thought he he played pretty solid and, and did some nice things defensively uh, and and is going to need to help this team try to rebound if, if OG's not going to be able to play. So um, I, I, thought, I thought it was good to see that out of those two in particular simply because they've got a little bit more um, size than most of the other guys coming off the bench. And that has uh, all of a sudden taken on a huge importance uh, as it appears that IU can only sustain injuries to players playing the forward position uh, at this point. I think that, you know, no injury is good, but I think when all those guys that are, that are out, um, you know, play roughly the same position, it just magnifies the impact of that. And so uh, it's definitely an all hands on deck type thing, but I thought the freshmen played good as well and, and want to continue to see them get more minutes because I think they're continuing to be, uh, as, as they go through, I think the balance of of good and bad is uh, is shifting toward the good, uh, the good side with those two, and uh, and I think they've they've earned some more minutes based on how they've been playing these last few games, and and that play where Curtis really accelerated and, and split those Penn State guys to get a, a layup on one end uh, was really a big play because to that point IU was not getting those were the exact balls that IU was not getting to, uh, and so I thought he uh, he provided a nice spark. I think they both. They both did, and uh, and just going to need to continue to build on that because we may end up seeing uh, more of these, you know, kind of four four guard type lineups uh, out of necessity, if nothing else. And so, you know, those guys are going to be a part of that. They're all going to have to to kind of band together and find ways to rebound and and play a little bit bigger than they are. Uh, but uh, I, I thought they've they've continued to show some good growth here at this point in the season. Yeah, you know, you mentioned that offensive rebound by McSwain, and we mentioned this earlier, but that came on that sequence of two straight possessions where McSwain got the the offensive rebound dunk, and then Thomas Bryant got an offensive rebound dunk, and it put Indiana up 11. And that was during that stretch in the second half where Indiana, you know, that Blackman three put Indiana up 59-47. That was an 8-0 run by IU after Penn State, you know, had kind of come back a little bit. And there was that stretch in the second half where Penn State was kind of teetering, you know, just turning the ball over, not really looking good. And it was important at that point that Indiana was able to extend the lead. Obviously, given the collapse that happened at the end of the second half, they needed all of those points. And it just underscored the importance of offensive rebounding for this team. Again, 41.9% of their misses. That's an unbelievable number. You know, Indiana already a team that is, I believe, fifth in the country coming in. And there's a lot of things that this team doesn't do well and doesn't do consistently. But this group is a magnificent offensive rebounding group. They really are. They just do an amazing job with it, and it helps them to cover up for some of the warts. And, and on a night like tonight, when Indiana did things that you can't do and win on the road in the Big Ten, like turn the ball over and like you know have your center handling the ball with you know twelve seconds left when you're when you're trying to uh, nurse a two point lead, uh, you know being able to offensive rebound like that makes a huge difference. Ryan, I want to talk to you about Devontae Green real quick. You've obviously been high on him. I want to tell you something that I've noticed from him that really impresses me, and it's the way that he plays on-ball defense. Because if you see, he kind of comes out and he's got that bulldog mentality. I mean, he extends his defense probably further out than anybody. He'll pick people up half court. He really gets in guys. And the thing you notice about him, as opposed to some other guys, is when he's guarding the ball and his man gets a step on him, he doesn't just concede the basket or concede the lane. He recovers as well, better, really, I think, than any other Indiana guard defensively and will always find a way to be there and challenge the shot or challenge the pass. Um, 
real, real funny note in the chat there, Ryan, uh, distracting me. Um, <laughs> but but hey, you, you do it to me all the time. I'm just painting I, you back. I do. I do. Um, but I, that to me is one of the impressive things about him. That's kind of an underrated thing, but it's important because we see too often where an Indiana, especially a guard, gets beaten off the dribble. And it's just it's a turnstile to the lane. And I'm always over there tweeting, hey, you know, if you're just going to let him drive by you like the old Bob Nightline from the famous locker room rant. And so I like that from Devontae. I like how he competes on that end. And it's just kind of one of those little attitude things that I think when he gets in the game, I think that actually helps raise other guys level of defense a little bit. No, I'd agree. I mean, that kind of stuff is contagious and it always has been. I mean, that's a fact of basketball and guys are playing harder. Everybody plays harder. And uh, but Devontae, you know, you remember the first thing he said when when they asked him, you know, what his goals were for college basketball. He said he wanted to be the best defensive guard in the country. Um, I, I don't know. It's it's he's a guy who just who has the effort on that end that I, I don't think is is necessarily natural to this group. Um, but I don't think it's, you know, I don't think they're doing it intentionally. It's just guys don't know how high they can elevate their games. And, and he certainly does and, and uh, gets the most out of it. And look, I, I mean, I'm high on him because I see the potential. There's still plenty of warts in his game. I, I talked about it. You know, I was, I was tweeting about it. Uh, he should never take a, a pull up, three-pointer ever uh he's just his shot is not the same when he pulls up as opposed to when his feet are set when his feet are set it looks like a really good shot when he pulls up it's all just all over the place um and but i like his aggressiveness i like the attack mode he's in and i think he is the team's future point guard that's looking when i say that that's looking down the road at what i think he's going to develop into not what he is right now he and curtis jones had great moments tonight they also had some terrible moments and that's just that's just freshmen being freshmen. I mean, honestly, and and so I, I have to keep harping on that uh, because people sort of get like, oh, well, you're so high on these guys. What's going on? And uh, you know, they're freshmen. They're they 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 are going to play like freshmen. I mean, that that's that's what happens. And and so uh, as as one wise coach once said, the best thing about freshmen is they become sophomores, and unless they go to Kentucky, of course. But that is just. That's that you know that that's the best part of their growth period and and so you'll see that next year with those two guys they'll both be excellent players uh, but it's going to take some time and so you saw some great stuff tonight you saw them battling through playing a combined twenty eight minutes which is huge and then also you know you saw some negatives and you know, we'll see how how they come out the next game but uh, hopefully they can build on this. I want to talk real quick about Josh Newkirk, uh, who, after really a couple of, I thought, strong games, you know, played well against Maryland, played well against Rutgers in in reduced minutes, you know, was down in, in the low 20s, did not have a really good game tonight. You know, his one uh, layup that he made, notwithstanding, you know, only three points, had a rebound, no assists, only had one turnover and did have four fouls. But, you know, in that is kind of a positive, you know, and I think, look, I think there's a lot to gripe about with the way that Tom Crean managed this game from a strategy perspective. You know, what Indiana was doing offensively late, both in the half court and breaking the press. Uh, but I thought Tom Crean did a really good job managing minutes and managing the lineup. And Ryan, you know, you mentioned the amount of minutes that the freshman guards played. And I think Josh Newkirk only playing 18 minutes, at least according to the box store, the box score that I've got, that to me is a good sign because he wasn't, you know, really playing well. 
Uh, and in a game where so many guys are getting hurt, you would have thought that the natural reaction would have been for Crean to go to Josh Newkirk, who he has played so much this season. But he went with other guys, you know, and obviously the foul trouble, you know, had a hand in that. But I think seeing Newkirk down in the 18 to 20 minute range is much more where he should be. And instead of him being up there taking, you know, eight or nine shots, uh, you know, like a Blackman, a Johnson and a Bryant, you know, only taking one shot and he made it, you know, at least he wasn't forcing shots out there. So I don't think it was a good game from Newkirk uh, by any means, but I do think it was maybe indicative of a reduced uh, and more appropriate role for him going forward. And it kind of fits the trend that we've seen for the last few games. And I think that's a good thing. What do you think, Andy? Yeah, I would agree. I thought particularly as he came out in the second half, I thought he, he played really poorly those first couple of minutes and Kareem took him right out. So, um, you know, credit to him for doing that. I think you, you start to see him uh, trying to scale back some of those minutes. But I I would also say that while, um, and I, I tweeted this out at some point, as somebody who watches the lineups, I mean, I wanted to complain about some of the ones that were out there in the second half, but it's like, what else are you going to do? You got to have got to have guys out there. You got to have guys rested as best you can, particularly the guards and, um, and, and try to keep, you know, people fresh as best you can toward the end of the game. So I thought he was able to kind of, you know, pulse Newkirk in at different times to be able to do that. But overall, um, the continued trend of his minutes getting cut back in the minutes of uh, guys like Devante and, and Curtis getting increased uh, is a positive thing for this team. And I think it's uh, the results um, that those guys are producing individually is uh, is bearing that out. So, Andy, I'm seeing reports in our chat that you have some uh, that you might have a rant here about officiating and possibly even the Big Ten network announcers. Well, I'm not I mean, sure I've seen Indiana play all year, by the way. Well, I couldn't hear him over those clowns behind them yelling the entire game, which were only so audible because the overall Penn State crowd was complete garbage. Um, so you could hear these four guys just yelling behind them at every uh, at every moment. Um, yeah. So let's start with the officiating. Uh, Penn State got called for, uh, let's see, one foul in the first, oh, mm, 15 minutes, uh, 14 minutes and 40 seconds of the of the uh, second half. Uh and eventually, and it got what called for Col two fouls. What in the Cole Center was going on? I know. It's like they moved it. <laughs> they got called for two fouls in almost 18 minutes to start the half, which, and IU in the same span had gotten called for, I don't know, eight, nine. And they got called for eight in the same time that Penn State had gotten called for one. Um, and and Penn State clearly was trying to be physical, certainly along the baseline. If, if you drove the baseline, you weren't getting that call. Uh, among my favorite calls were the. Uh, play where the guy fell fell down and wait, they waited till he hit the floor and then they called the foul on Deron Davis for um, blocking out as best I could tell. Uh, I also like the one where that's they called Bryant. I also like the one where they called Bryant in the restrict said he was in the restricted area when he wasn't actually trying to draw a charge. The guy just drove right into him and he stood there with his hands up. So they wait to see if the shot goes in. It misses. Then then he goes and runs in and points to the circle as if he was trying to take a charge. Uh, and then toward the end, when they're trying to get the ball in bounds, and Robert Johnson is getting assaulted, uh, and they don't call anything, that was a that was a good one. So I I was like you guys surprised that even when Penn State was trying to foul initially, thought perhaps the referees had conditioned themselves to just never blow the whistle uh, when they had it on you know when IU had the ball uh, to be able to do that. So I thought that was a you know stellar performance. I thought perhaps when I saw the names of the officials and they weren't names I recognized as guys I I already don't like that perhaps it was a positive sign. Um, apparently I did not know them because they were recent Penn State graduates. Um, and then as for the announcing, as you mentioned, 
clearly had watched little to none of IU playing. Uh, the one guy saying, oh, couldn't hear the whistle over the crowd was the most absurd thing that anyone has said uh, at the announce table in quite some time. And It's uh, so Steve, loud in here. Yeah, it's so loud in here. I mean, it might have been loud where they were, to be fair. Like the four fans who were actually yelling were right behind them. But uh, that one was good. And then Stephen Bardo is always just complete trash, I find, you know, behind the uh, behind the mic. So he's he's always good for a few uh, terrible ones. I actually forget what they were. One I got ready to tweet out, and I was like, I just, I can't, I can't do this. I can't support this gentleman by uh, repeating his words. But it, it was, uh, yeah, he tends to be, he tends to be pretty terrible. So at that, and then as you mentioned, the replays, you could never see one replay of a even marginally close call. Yet you got to see Ananobi's injury eighteen times after it happened, and then they dusted it off again with the audio for the second half, as you mentioned. Yet anytime there was any kind of close call. You couldn't possibly see it, even if you wanted to. So, uh, you know, otherwise, I thought a really solid performance from the officials in the uh, in the broadcast team tonight. Aside from those things that made it a horrendous watch, uh, in many ways, everything was terrific. Andy's rants are a really underrated part of the show when they yeah, happen. I, it's, look, I'm like channeling both of you. I was I was overwhelmingly positive earlier for what seemed to be no reason, and now I'm just bitter and angry about officiating like Ryan. So. This is I'm just trying to prepare myself in the event that one of you can't be here. I just need to be able to be versatile enough to slide into whichever of the roles Jim, that we may need. Yeah. No, I mean, it, you know, I appreciate it. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, it, it. Clearly, you've been spending way too much time with me. Is the That is also a possibility. Hey, Ryan, someone in the chat mentioned that you're about you have like a half membership, a semi membership in the Devante Green fan club. Are you ready to are you ready to accept that? Oh no, not not while he's a freshman. No, 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 no. no. I, okay. I'm not. I'm not ready for that kind of that kind of responsibility while the kid is still, you know, in his first semester, first what semester and a half on campus. No, no, no. We got to wait for his sophomore year for that. I, I jumped on Ananobi early last year, uh, but no, I'm not. I'm not ready to to throw in full tilt. I, I besides, I'd be cheating on Deron Davis, who I clearly was the president of that fan club over a year ago. So. Uh, yeah, you know, you can't split it between the two of them when they're freshmen. You got to wait till they're older. No, you do. And look, and Daron Davis certainly has done nothing to uh, to dissipate that excitement. He's been uh, he's been good, and will continue to get better. Uh, all right, well, we've got to look ahead to Michigan State, which is coming on Saturday. We've got to get to uh, some final thoughts, uh, and so we will do that here on the assembly call in the portion of our show that we like to call Last Call, which is brought to you by our friends at Yogi's Bar and Grill in Bloomington. And the thing about Yogi's is that that was my favorite and most frequented bar when I was a student at IU. And now we hold our annual assembly call meetup there every year. So it was really cool. when We were there for the Illinois game and they asked us if they could broadcast the postgame show live at the bar after games. Um, yes, that would be awesome. Uh, so we are, are very, very excited about our partnership with Yogi's. And plus, uh, they are offering a food discount to Assembly Call listeners during IU games, both home and on the road. So if you head to Yogi's during any IU game, tell them the guys from the Assembly Call sent you, and you will get 15% off your food. It has to be during uh, the game, but any game will work, home or road. And then stick around after, have a drink, and catch the Assembly Call live right there at the bar. So again, that's 10% off your food at Yogi's during IU games. Just tell them the Assembly Call sent you. All right. Well, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. We are wrapping up here as Indiana defeats Penn State 78 to 75 on a last second three pointer by James Blackman Jr. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy, Andy Bottoms 
and Ryan Phillips. And obviously, guys, you know what this win does is now it, it gives Indiana a chance to get back into the upper half of the Big Ten race. You know, you you go to two and four, you're not technically buried, but man, it this sure felt like a must-win game in a lot of ways. And there are no true must-win games in January. All those caveats. Whatever. I think we all knew this was about as close to a must win as you could get. And so for Indiana to pull it out, it's huge. And now the Hoosiers have an opportunity at home uh, to take on a team that is above them in the standings right now. A team that, look, if you can get a win like this, it gives you another win on your resume that looks decent. And Indiana has a paucity of those wins right now on their on their resume. So it's a huge opportunity uh, Andy, obviously, we'll probably talk some Michigan State more uh, on the radio show on Friday, but give us the quick look at Michigan State and, and what's coming into Simon Scott Assembly Hall. And I will say, I saw this tweeted that, you know, Tom Cream was, was talking about how, uh, you know, fans really need to to show up and be there at Simon Scott Assembly Hall on Saturday for this team. Wholeheartedly agree. And I think knowing IU fans, they will be there and provide a great atmosphere for that game. I sure hope so. Yeah, I mean, Michigan State is about as healthy as they've been all year at this point. Miles Bridges, uh, their best freshman, is back. And so, um, you know, they seem to have kind of righted the ship a little bit. Started 3-0 in the Big Ten, and then they went and they lost to uh, Penn State at the Palestra in Philadelphia. Um, and then they they turned around, they they blew out Minnesota at home. And so it felt like they had kind of gotten back on track and then somehow went to Ohio State and lost. That was Ohio State's first Big Ten win of the season. So... Um, you know, they're sitting at four and two in the, in the league right now, uh, don't have a ton in the way of great wins so far this season. I think part of that was, you know, injuries early in the season, uh, for them, they're really young. They've got four freshmen who play a decent amount. Uh, they're kind of either freshmen or, or really experienced players. So you've got those guys, but then you've got, you know, an Aaron Harris, um, Alvin Ellis is a, is a senior, uh, Tum Tum Nairn is still there. Is it only a junior somehow, which seems stunning to me. Um, and so you've got, you know, some, some of that. So I think the challenge really comes in when you're trying to figure out, uh, particularly with the injuries for IU right now, who's going to try to guard miles bridges. Um, Nick Ward is the other, you know, kind of freshman big guy on the inside that'll fall to Bryant or Davis or, you know, whichever one of them is on the floor. Um, uh, bridges is kind of a tough matchup at six, seven. And so, uh, all the guys that you might normally think would be good matchups for him at IU, their, uh, availability is in question. So I think that'll be, you know, a big matchup to watch. Uh, their guards aren't particularly big for the most part. So I think that helps, uh, IU a little bit in that regard, but, uh, you know, it's a, it's a Tom Izzo coach team. So you, you have a fairly good idea what you're going to get. Uh, good news is they don't have a, a high turnover rate defensively, which um, most IU fans will be uh, will be glad to know. And I'll uh, be interested to see what they can do from a rebounding perspective. Michigan State, you know, really known as a as a solid rebounding team, uh, have been have been pretty good on the defensive glass uh, so far this year. And as you mentioned earlier, that's one of IU's big strengths. So be interested to see how they can how they can do there. They've put opponents on the line quite a bit in Big Ten play, um, but they've got the the uh, top-ranked defensive efficiency in the uh, in the Big Ten heading into this one, which I think Penn State actually had heading into tonight. So uh, two games in a row where you're, you're facing a tough defensive squad. But hopefully the uh, the environment in Assembly Hall is going to be uh, pretty raucous and ready to go. It's not a, an early tip. I think it's a 4 o'clock tip, so that helps uh, a little bit for folks, and uh, they'll get done with the game just in time to go to Yogi's for dinner. So uh, perfect all around for, for them. But um, I, I think 
you know, definitely a game IU is going to need a little bit of a lift, particularly if they get news on Ananobi uh, ahead of that. And, uh, and most certainly if Morgan somehow is not available, but um, need a little bit of extra, uh, extra pick me up. And I think they'll get that from the crowd. And certainly the way IU shoots at home should help as well. So it'll be a, it should be a good matchup. But again, start looking at these games. You got to win your home games. The, uh, any kind of free pass home losses have been, uh, have been redeemed at this point for IU. And you got to find a way to, uh, to get this one done at home. By the way, breaking news on the Yogi's discount, it's 10% off if you tell them that Andy or I sent you, but it's only 5% if you say that Ryan sent you. So <laughs> Disappointing. Funny. Funny. <laughs> funny, guys. Very funny. That's what you get for, uh, for you know, mocking me in the, uh, just, in the chat. That's what you get for just being yourself. Let's be honest. <laughs> so with that... Fan oh, favorite, everybody. Right here. <laughs> fan favorite. <laughs> Over to Ryan. Uh, last call on tonight's uh, IU victory. You know, this is just a huge, huge win for Indiana. Uh, you know, had they, had they just come out with a road win tonight uh, without all of the other storylines, uh, it would have been a big deal because you get that road win in the Big Ten. I know it's Penn State. You don't think of them as a tough team, but they are. This is a team. They beat Michigan State. This is a team that plays very tough defense, um, and Indiana has had trouble there. Uh so I, I yeah, it's a big win for this team just to step up and fight through everything that was going wrong in that game. Everything, nothing went Indiana's way in that game, especially over the last in the second half and especially over the last few minutes. And they stepped up and and James Blackman Jr. hit that huge shot. And maybe that's what turns this, as we said earlier, maybe that's what turns this season around and gets this team playing the way it should play uh, and the way we know it can play. I don't know if that's going to happen, but you know what? Uh, it feels good for a night to maybe have some confidence in that. Hopefully, obviously, our thoughts are with OG Ananobi um, and with the other guys who are banged up. I mean, let's get them back on the floor and playing basketball as soon as possible. But uh, gosh, let's 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 all say a little prayer that that OG is uh, not as badly hurt as we assume, because, man, that's a tough blow, not just for him and his career and his family, but you know, for his teammates and, and IU, obviously our thoughts and concerns are with him right now, not this basketball season, uh, you know, because this is trivial in the in the long run compared to everything else. But, um, you know, let's get these guys healthy and let's uh, let's come out and beat Michigan State on Saturday. This team is certainly capable of it. Absolutely. Andy, last call. Uh, well, you know, I think as, as Ryan mentioned uh, on the on the radio show talking about the the chargers a little bit and and kind of how this is all supposed to be fun um there were a lot of parts tonight where this wasn't that fun from the uh ugly start to the ananobi injury to the late game collapse but uh it, you know part of the reason we do this is that we love iu basketball and uh, and to see the looks on those kids faces after they made that win uh i think you know, hopefully a little part of every IU fan had a little bit of that excitement with it. And like you said, if, if you can't get excited about it, then um, I guess I don't really know what else to tell you that uh, seeing these guys overcome some challenges tonight uh, and and things like that and, and overcome things that if, if you told me before the game, uh, I already wasn't all that uh, all that feeling all that good, even with just Morgan out. And then you tell me that Ananobi is going to go down and all these things are going to happen. Um, these kids showed some good resiliency tonight. We kept talking about that a lot last year uh, about how resilient that team was. And this team has made it clear at this point, they are not last year's team and they're not going to be um, no matter what the status of Ananobi's injury is. But for tonight, they found a way to get it done. And hopefully that means they can continue to find ways to get it done. They've lost a lot of close games. 
Um, and they've continued to try to play hard and try to figure it out. And for tonight, they found a way and they figured it out. And maybe they'll find a prettier way the next time and figure it out. And maybe they won't. Um, but but enjoy this win. Who knows how many more wins there'll be this season? Who knows who else is going to get hurt uh, at any given moment? But this was pretty exciting uh, for for an IU team that seems to have come out on the losing end of some of these uh, close games and last second shots and some of that, you know, more often than not uh, in the last few years. And so um, I kind of let all of it go and kind of like you, you know, pump my fist and try not to wake my kids when, it, you know, when that shot went in. But but overall, it was like, OK, well, who cares how we got here? They got a win. They deserved it. Um, I'm proud of them and, and excited to see how they move forward. Hopefully it's a springboard. Maybe it's not. Uh, we don't have any way to know, but uh, I think they'll have a lot of people rooting hard for them on Saturday against Michigan State. And, and hopefully they really can get it started because uh, as they showed tonight, even playing some people down, uh, there's a lot of talent on this team. There's a lot of heart on this team and they found a way to figure it out and get it all uh, and get it all done for one night and get a win. So uh, congrats to uh, congrats to the guys on the team, everybody associated with it. Uh, best best thoughts and prayers to OG that he's going to be all right, uh, no matter when that uh, that time comes. And and let's uh, let's make it uh, a, a little bit of a winning streak here and get back on the uh, on the winning side of things again on Saturday against Michigan State. And your kids are older. You should have been running into their rooms, giving them high fives. Oh boy, no, no, because then you got to put them. Then you got to try to get them calmed down and back to sleep. That's not a good idea. That's true. You got to get yourself calmed down and back to sleep. Might as well. That is, I had to get myself calmed down and then down here so that I could actually do the show. So <laughs> that's right. There's no, there was no time for that. Yep. Look, I mean, this was this was a good win. You know, I, I tweeted out after the game that was ugly, but I'm so damn proud of this group of Hoosiers because I am. And, and you know, look, the majority of the tweets that I have gotten back are questioning that. Like, really? You know, you're you're proud of this team, all the turnovers. Um, you know, proud. That was a big shot, but come on, they almost choked again. Glad we survived, but let's keep it real. Um, over and over. That was actually probably one of the nicer tweets that I got back. And I'm going to assume that that's simply because all of the negative Nancys were still on Twitter after the game, lamenting the awful performance rather than doing what the rest of us were doing, which was celebrating and going nuts because of a huge win. Uh, and so, look, I don't want this to turn into some big rant against fans, but I think you got to be able to enjoy this. And I think more than enjoy it as fans, we have to do our part and play our role. And I get, you know, that that there are, are a certain portion of people that aren't happy with the product on the court and the strategy and all of that. And everybody's going to have a different way that they're going to express that. And in between games in the offseason, great times for all of those discussions. But I would just love to see more of a supportive spirit during games for the 40 minutes when these guys are out there busting their butts, overcoming injuries, maybe not playing well, maybe not playing smart, but playing hard and playing with pride. And when they do something like they did tonight and they get a win like that, let's enjoy it. And I'll be honest with you, coming into this game, I did not feel good. You know, I pretty much told, you know, everybody I didn't want to tweet this out because I don't want to, you know, go that negative publicly, I guess. But I wasn't feeling very good about this game. Told Heather that earlier today. And, you know, and I thought to myself, you know, this afternoon, all right, well, who cares what you think? They've got a game to play. Let's go. And you all know I've got this lucky outfit that I bust out only for the biggest of games. And you would never think that Penn State would qualify. But as I'm on podcast on the brink talking about how it's a must win and tweeting out that it's a must win, and then I'm over here being negative, well, what kind of a fan am I being doing that? That's lame. That was pathetic. And so I thought, you know what? I'm putting on the big outfit tonight. And I'm not saying it had anything to do with it because what some 35-year-old guy in Dallas, you know, the pajamas that he's wearing at 5 o'clock in the afternoon before a game doesn't have an impact on the team, you know, except for the fact that, you know, look, 
as a program, which includes fans of a college program, fans are part of the program. Let's all pull in the same direction. And maybe if there is some cosmic energy that we all can affect, maybe that will help a shot go in at the end of the game or push a shot out. I don't know, but it's a lot better than everybody pulling in different directions and sometimes acting like you want the team to lose. So I just, you know, look, Indiana may go three and 15 in, in the Big Ten. This may be the high point of the season. And there may be a lot more negativity to come. So when there are these oases of positivity and the guys gut it out and they overcome injuries and they make a big shot, let's enjoy it. And let's remember why we're fans of this team. And most of all, let's support these guys through the ups and the downs, the growth that they're going to go through now dealing with injuries, maybe a catastrophic injury to one of their friends, even more than their teammates. That's what our role is as fans, and I hope everybody takes that to heart. And whether you're at Simon Scott Assembly Hall or whether you're on Twitter or whether you're cheering from your couch, let's know our role for those 40 minutes and cheer as loud as we can, as hard as we can, support this team as much as we can because that's what we need to do. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what Indiana basketball is all about. And on a night like tonight, yeah, I'm proud. These guys played hard, and they got a big win. The Hoosiers are 3-3 three and three in the Big Ten. And now they've got some daylight. And if they can get on a winning streak, maybe we get this season turned around. You know, all we could do tonight was win one game. We couldn't get 10 wins tonight. We could only get one. We got it. Let's move forward and see what these guys have. We will talk to you Saturday after IU Michigan State. Should be a fun game. Hopefully it's another victorious episode. And obviously in between uh, now and then, we will have the radio show, uh, which we'll have for you on Friday. You can listen to it on 1430 in Indianapolis. Uh, and we'll also have it out for you on the podcast as well. Great night for the Hoosiers. Big win. Thanks for joining us on this episode of The Assembly Call. We will talk to you all on Saturday. Cascade Platinum every night. Saves you water every night. Come meet me at the dishwasher bay. See, hand-washing dishes at your sink uses about four gallons of water every two minutes. But with Cascade Platinum at your dishwasher, four gallons of water gets the whole job done. So the flow of that H2O and change your routine. Do it every night with Cascade Platinum. A surprising way to save water. Worried about mom or dad falling? The Symphony Medical Alert System from CVS Health helps make their home safer, even if you can't be there. Symphony works with voice activation or a care button they can opt to wear, along with smart sensors for coverage around the home. With 24-7 emergency response and an app to tie it all together, you can monitor your loved one's well-being for enhanced peace of mind. Terms and conditions apply. Learn more about Symphony at cvs.com symphony or find it at your nearest CVS Health Hub.